So romantic love and romance became the poetic quest for the unattainable ideal of wholeness. So when we speak about love, we speak about, uh, particularly romantic love, we speak about wholeness. You complete me. You're my soulmate. I was lost until I found you. And in that is um, a fallacy. And the fallacy is that we're supposed to be whole. Wholeness is not the end game of being human. Growing up is. And growing up is to be riddled with imperfection and to live on well in spite of it. So I'm going to stop there um, and I'll let Pete have a few uh, minutes to say something that makes more sense. <laughs> Hey, this must be like how The Rock feels, like I walk in late, come up, do my bit, get the big check, and then just walk out. There is a big check. Yeah, this is the theological rock. Um, yeah. I, I thought you'd be bigger. I know, yeah. <laughs> Smaller in real life. Um, I, yeah, so I was doing something else and just ran, uh, Barry asked me last night if I wanted to do something on desire and love and sex. and. You've heard me talk, some of you who come here regularly have heard me talk about those issues before. Um, and most of you know that we're shooting a short film called Making Love. Um, some of you may not know, but for some of you who don't, I wrote a script many years ago um, about two people who uh, were deeply and passionately in love. They had this affair and it was very brief and it was cut off when the woman's husband discovered it and said, if you ever see my wife again, you're dead, right? And this is set in Northern Ireland. This is a guy came over. He, this is a paramilitary guy. He says, right, if I ever see her again, I'm dead. But anyway, the film is about what happens about five years later when they happen to meet again in this beautiful hotel uh, for a couple of hours. And the whole premise of the film is if, if he stays any longer and if they sleep together, he'll die. He'll be killed. And if he leaves he will never see her again. And so the whole thing is about what are they gonna do? And it's based on a thought experiment by Emmanuel Kant who said, imagine you could sleep with the person of your dreams, but the very next day, you'd be hung on the gallows. What would you do? And Kant was like, well, you wouldn't do it. You'd be crazy. Uh, but then uh, Lacan, a psychoanalyst, he said, well, it's not as easy as that because sometimes you really want what you can't have. And sometimes it's the gallows that makes you want it. Right, so the more you can't have it, the more your desire is, is fueled. Is that whole thing of it? How long have I got? A few minutes? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Okay. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. We are here for three hours. No. There's, oh, there's Bellinis afterwards. So you ha but you have to listen to me to get one. Okay, that's the that's the exchange. Um, okay. Yeah. No, we're not going to take too much of your time. Two hours. No. Two. Ten minutes. Five minutes. But I do want to, you know, I've got things. This is, by the way, philosophical improvisation, right? You know the way comedians and they go up and they don't know what they're going to say, but they give it a go. But you trust them because they've done a lot of comedy in the past. This is, I'm going to go into philosophical improvisation in a second. Um, but the idea, oh yeah, you really want what you can have. Three-kick rule, old story from Ireland. This guy, wealthy uh, lawyer, 
comes over from New York, very wealthy kind of guy. You go, like, how much do you cost? $10,000 for three questions. Really? Yep. What's your third question? Right. So anyway, he lands in Ireland. He's duck hunting, hits a duck, falls in a field. And he's about to get the duck. And this isle guy's in a tractor. He's driving past. He says, hey, what are you doing? He says, I'm getting this duck. Mind your own business. This guy, Seamus, says, hey, so I'll tell you what. He says, that's my field. If you get into that field, that would be trespassing. So it would, you know. And uh, the lawyer looks at him and says, I'm a lawyer. I could destroy you. You want to you come after me? I'll take everything from you in the courts. Well, Seamus says, he says, I don't know what you learn in those fancy law rooms in uh, Harvard University. But around here, we have, a, we have a way of resolving issues. A little legal term you may have heard of called the three-kick rule. What's that? Well, I kick you three times. You kick me three times. I kick you three times. Back and forth. Whoever loses, the other person wins, right? Fair enough. A lawyer looks at this guy, Seamus, in his 70s, no problems. So he walks up to Seamus, Seamus kicks him right between the legs, falls on the ground, then kicks him again, he's winded. He goes like, one more kick and then it's my turn. Kicks him again. Then the lawyer gets up and says, right, now it's my, my turn to get you. And Seamus is like, oh, he says, no, 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 it's all right. He says, you win, you can have the duck, right? Now, <laughs> the idea being, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, the duck becomes this really amazing thing that you really want, right? And the more you prohibit it, the more you're fine for duck. But as soon as you remove the prohibition, it's like, it's only a duck, right? As soon as you say, oh, yeah, you win, you can have the duck. It's like, why am I doing this for a duck, right? So the film is called Making Love because in Courtly Love, which I would love to talk about more because it's, it's a film based on Courtly Love, actually. In Courtly Love, Making Love was never about sex. Um, the, the, the person who made love was not the couple. The couple didn't make love. It was the chaperone. The chaperone made love. Because what happened is the couple would have a chaperone and they would imagine what they could do if the chaperone wasn't there. So the role of the chaperone wasn't to stop the two people doing anything untoward. The role of the chaperone was to spark off fantasies about what they could do if they were left on their own. So therefore, the chaperone was making love, creating the conditions for love, which means that in a sense, love is this constant failure. That's the whole idea of courtly love that by never getting what you want, it generates the excessive desire for what you want, right? So I was actually, last night, I was watching MacGyver. Have you ever watched MacGyver, right? I was watching MacGyver for a reason, because one of the people who's starring in the... Did you? <laughs> oh, wait, MacGyver? No, okay, so, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Oh, yes, yeah, well, David, I don't know if he's here, but he's... Um, so David's going to be starring in the short, which we, looks like we're going to make a new feature. This is very exciting. Um, and uh, so he's going to be, he's going to be the, the guy, the writer guy. And interesting, I was watching MacGyver, because he's in MacGyver. He's the main bad guy called Murdoch, right, if you've seen it. And the first question I'm asking, because I'm watching Murdoch on screen, is like, why does he not kill MacGyver, right? So, like, first of all, MacGyver would be so easy to kill. This is supposedly the best assassin who exists in the world. And he keeps failing. Not only that, there's an episode where they're actually talking together. And MacGyver's, like, stuck in an overturned car. Like, and, and, and Murdoch is just standing, looking at him, and says, I'll see you later. Right? You go, like, what? The, just kill him. Right? Now, of course, you see this in Austin Powers. You see this in, in, in Bond films. Why does the bad guy have so much sexual pleasure in talking about killing the bad guy but, or the good guy, but never does? So, Murdoch, you can tell how much enjoyment he gets from saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming after you. And you can tell that actually what is exciting him is not the killing, but the inability to kill. You know? And in fact, it's even in the dialogue. 
itself where he's going like, oh, you know, you've made my life interesting again. Oh, this has been the most interesting weekend I've had in my life. The weekend where he's failing to get what he wants, which is killing uh, MacGyver. So that is the sexual notion incarnate, is that actually there's more pleasure in not getting what you want than getting it, right? Getting what you want is a bit rubbish. And actually the challenge is how do you enjoy not getting what you want, right? That's the real challenge. Because we don't enjoy not getting what we want. That's the problem. We always think the fun is in getting what we want. The real click is to go, how do we enjoy not getting what we want? Which is kind of foreplay and stuff like that. But it's like, um, that, that actually the, in life, and it, it bleeds out in the sexuality and everything else, is, is, is enjoying what you don't have. There's a very good book called By Todd McGowan on that, on that. So the idea of this film, Making Love, is these two people have to realize that if they sleep together, it's not going to be that brilliant. Like, what's more brilliant is that they can't, and they haven't for years, and it's like, this is an amazing thing. So if they sleep together, it would be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die for this, right? Like, you know, can we have another go? Um, or, or you walk away, and you're unhappy because, uh, you know, you, you're always thinking about what you could have, and you can never enjoy your life because you, you don't have that thing. So the challenge is how do you remove the prohibition and kind of like, in a sense, enjoy the failure of sexuality. Sexuality, I think, is a fundamental failure in my own life. Uh, but uh, yes, getting autobiographical for a moment. Um, but, uh, but I think there's something actually ontologically a failure about sex, and that's what makes it fun. Okay, thank you very much. How much of a theatre near you? A failure of love.